Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1235 in Evident. Bob Stoffer at a lightly attended optional today at Rogers Place. We will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos uh, Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. They're open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 to 10 p.m. And tell Chris and Brendan that Oilers now sent you. Without further ado, we are going to head to the River Cree Resort Casino and welcome back to the show Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Louis, how are you doing? Doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. I want to read you a text on the Ashley Fine Floors text line from Mike. Okay. okay? And Mike says, Bob, Louie is far too neutral and unbiased, laugh out loud. He never seems to do t- uh, much raw, raw, go Oilers stuff. That one comes to us from Mike, who says, by the way, I'm a Senators fan, and I notice these things. That one comes to us from Mike. So I would take that as a compliment, Louie, that someone says that uh, you're doing a pretty good job of calling a game from an even keel perspective. We try. You know what we try and do? It, try and make it exciting, make it entertaining. But, uh, yeah, I had someone, I think I saw something the other day that I talk about the other team too much. So, <laughs> so I can go the other way too. But, well, it, yeah, you know what? We talk about what's relevant, I guess, is kind of how I always sum it up. But when I'm watching a game, it's no different than I'm sitting in, on my couch in my living room. I'm going to – something's going to catch my attention. I'm going to talk about it. That's kind of how I have always kind of done the games and how I still do. Louis, I'm, I'm up front about it. I want Edmonton to win the games. I mean, I'm yeah, broadcasting yeah. the Oilers games. I want the Oilers to win. I, too, try to be neutral. The only thing I don't like is when officials, and it's funny, I, yeah. I, talk, I talked to a guy today who did some officiating in Ontario, and unfortunately, due to his size, he wasn't able to kind of continue much uh, because he was too small to be an effective linesman. Uh, and, and we're going, I mean, he's in his 50s, so... You know, you can understand you wanted bigger lines because you had to be able to break up fights and that sort of thing. And he just said, he goes, Bob, I was in the building last night. The fans are upset. And there were some exasperating times. And, I mean, I thought that, yeah, you know, and I'm not going to – here's the thing. I, I get a – I don't – like the owners found a way to win that game 4-3. L.A. played a real good game. 
but the game was managed in such a fashion that it benefited the team that's uh, got the weaker special teams. And L.A. had the weaker special teams. Though the Oilers' power play wasn't very good. And I know, like, in particular, Kempe was a player for me. The last time the two teams played here, he went into the boards. You know, McDavid got tossed out of the game from, yep. from, from behind. And he got away with a couple plays last night, but Mark Jonette was officiating. And Mark Jonette games are, I, I bet you if you yeah. did statistics on it, he calls fewer penalties than other officials. That's just the way the games are. I'd like yeah. to get, how, how challenging is that for this. you, man? I'll tell you what, I'll say this right now, and I said this to Mark Gaskin, the producer, last night uh, on my talk back. And I'll, and I'll bring it out because I don't care because it's gotten to this point. What they're creating here is an environment where players are going to start embellishing. In order to get calls. Now, Derek Ryan hit from behind last night. Okay. Now, that was a hit in the numbers. I'm sorry. He had ample time not to hit Derek Ryan in the numbers there. His face went into the boards. Now, Derek Ryan just shrugged it off and, you know, made the play and didn't really go down or get hurt on the play. But if Derek Ryan crumples into the boards, just drop your legs, go down onto the ice, I guarantee you 100% he gets a penalty. And that's what's going to start happening. So, congratulations. You've non-called yourself into making players having to embellish to get calls. And that's just ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous to me. I, I don't understand it. And I just, you know, so often fans are frustrated. You can hear the boos and the ahs in the stands because they see something that they know is an infraction. It's not 50-50. That's a hook. That's a trip, especially on number 97, which it seems every game a call is missed on him. Um, yes, we're biased. We watch him every single night. But I'm sorry. This guy works his tail off to go out there and battle through checks like nobody else in the league. He gets that much attention, and he just doesn't get the calls. Now, you're going to say, okay, well, he's drawn the most penalties in the league, or he's up in the top three in the last five years, or whatever you want to say. I don't care. He should be. He should be because he's the best player in the game. He's the fastest. He's the best in traffic, and he's really hard to contain. The clutching, the grabbing, the interference. The trips that go undetected, it's unbelievable to me. And th therefore, I said for the first time last night on the talkback, I said, I never thought I would ever say this, but if you want to draw penalties in this game today, you need to start embellishing. And you only need to look to certain people in this league to do it all the time. Is and there... they draw penalties. Uh, Matthew Kachuk does it all the time. He's the master. Matthew... Matthew, he's, he's, a, he's a master at it. And you know what? Do you think the Calgary Flames fans don't like him because of that? No, I'm sorry. He gets his team on the power play. And that's really what it's all about. It's, it's gamesmanship. And unfortunately, that's where the game's gotten to. I don't like it. But I got to tell you right now that if I was coaching in this league, I would have a silent meeting and say, listen, I'm not saying to do, <laughs> you know, to take dives every chance you can. But in a situation last night where a guy hits you in the numbers, embellish that. Let them know you were just hitting the numbers, and you're not supposed to do that. Sorry, that's just a penalty. And I guarantee he gets a call. If he just drops down to the ice there and, you know, shakes his head, 100% he gets a call. Now, I know this sounds terrible me saying this, but he should have called the penalty to begin with. It should have, he had ample time not to hit him in the numbers. So... Hits from behind have always been a sensitive issue for me. I've, I've never liked them. I think it should, they should be dealt with the way headshots were dealt with to get out of the game. And look, how many headshots do we have now in the game, Bob? They've eliminated it from the game, which I think is great. Yes, it happens the odd time. Yes, someone takes a liberty. I mean, Taylor Hall gets a $5,000 fine for 
like a pillow of a punch on Labushkin, who, by the way, hit him from behind, the, took him from the boards in a, in a, in a manner in which I don't agree with. Yeah. So, um, I, this is what this game's come to, and that's what I would be telling my players. And I know that sounds crazy. People are going to disagree with that. I'm sorry. This is what it's gotten to. I would say, in certain situations, let them know that you you had an infraction on you. And especially hits from behind. That's the one that's got to be taken out of the game. Now, if they just called them all, they would get taken out of the game. Nobody would do it. And I'd be totally happy with that because I don't really want to see those penalties because I don't want to see those hits. But that's how I feel about it. And that's where it's gotten to. And it's pretty scary that we've gotten to that point. Not surprising for me, Louie, and i got to tell you, and again, you can text us, and people are, believe me, they're fired up on this, and it's not a loser's lament. Edmonton ultimately won the game in a shootout, yeah, no, I, listen, but as I'm soon as I saw Joe Network, as soon as both I... Ways. Yeah, well, as soon I, as I'm I, tired of seeing non-calls both yeah. ways. I just, you know what? I, I don't understand it. You know, I don't understand it. They want to have a consistency in the league. That's It's been all but consistent for a couple of years now. And I know I that don't it's a tough job. I get it. I understand all of that. The game. I understand it. But I just, exactly. I Just just call the game. Just call the game what you see. And you know what? Teams that take a lot of penalties will clean that up and stop taking lots of penalties. And teams that, you know, play the right way will get rewarded for playing the right way. That's not the way it's been. And unfortunately, that's the way it should be. Louis, I want to read a couple texts. Randy says on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, usually Louis is too apologetic to the refs. Last night he was pretty harsh on them, which tells me how bad they were. Uh, let's go to Hattrick and Provo says, Louis right. Andre Kopitar had his arm wrapped around uh, Leon Drysaddle all night. Coach Mike says, uh, 97 and 29 had to wear Kopitar as a jacket last night. He only got called once, but he grabbed 97 and 29 multiple times during the course of the game. Uh, you had to me you had the confluence of events. You had a guy in Mark Jonette who has a reputation for not calling a lot of penalties. He doesn't want to influence the outcome of the game, but he's doing exactly that. He's influencing the outcome of the game by not calling I agree. penalties. I agree. Putting a team on like the Oilers had a clear special team, even though the Oilers' power play wasn't very good in the two they got. On the balance of the season, Edmonton's got a substantially better power play than L.A. and. Uh, well. You knew it was. Their, you knew it was going to happen. Play. They get their first power play at the end of the second period. <laughs> yeah. You know, if they've had one or two by that point in time, do they snap that puck around a little better? Their second power play was already better. I'm not making excuses. That was a great penalty kill. It really was. They didn't do enough on the first power play. And credit LA, they were <laughs> they were pretty good. They were they were excellent, especially on the entries. I haven't seen Edmonton's power play. They're the best in the National Hockey League by far. Having Connor McDavid, Leon Drysdale on entries. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but especially Connor, possession entries into the zone, they're number one. They, nobody can even compete with him in that regard because he just takes the puck and enters the zone. And he has so much respect that most of the time on the power play for Edmonton is in the offensive zone, which is incredible. And that's why they're one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League because they get that offensive zone possession, they set it up and go to work. A lot of teams have a lot more difficulty on the entries, just getting set up. And last night in that first power play they had, L.A. just denied them, which you don't see happen too often. Nope. Give them credit. But, I, again, it's, it's in hindsight now, but we've talked about this a lot in the last couple of years. <laughs> I, I know you're very aware of that, and I just I don't think it's going anywhere. I think that uh, they need to do a better job. I truly do. And... As you've talked about many times before, I think they need to do a better job of protecting the best players in the game. Yep. Who, again, Connor McDavid is an embellisher. And it kind of breaks my heart to have to say, you know, every once in a while, you're going to have to 
you know, use that to your advantage. And, you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I just, I never thought I'd ever say that, I guess, is what I'm what I'm really getting to. Yeah, well, we got tons of texts coming in. Uh, this one says from John, Bob, one correction to what Louis DeBrus said. The penalties aren't going undetected. They are detected. They're just, going <laughs> yeah, I saw, they're, you know, they're just uncalled. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Somebody tweeted that to me. If it's the same gentleman or, or woman, then yes, I agree with you. Yeah, you're 100% correct. I right. just decided not to call them. Louis, today Elliot Friedman said Ken Holland's going to wait till the end of the season before progressing uh, one way or the other with Jay Woodcroft and. Uh, Dave Manson. Uh, those guys are 15-7-2. and two. They've got a 667 winning percentage, and I put them as a tandem because they came up at the same time. So now I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're 24 games into the Jay Woodcroft experience. Uh, you can make an argument. The Oilers are a better team. Uh, they've added you know, a couple pieces here. Uh, they're getting healthier. Uh, I, th- I don't think this is a dead cat bounce. I think the team plays differently. You're watching them on a nightly basis as well. What do you think of the job that Jay and, uh, and Dave Manson have done? I would agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, they've come in with uh, real open eyes, a real positive attitude, uh, put a lot of the responsibility on the players and, you know, ask for, ask for that high expectation is something Jay Woodcroft has said all the time. We're going to compliment our players with having a very high expectation for what they do on the ice. And I think he's come in and done that. I think he's kept them accountable. I think he's tweaked some things that definitely has made significant strides and made them a harder team to play against. I think Dave Manson with the defense core, especially early on with the young guys that weren't in the lineup and the uncertainty with injuries coming in, you have to really balance that. Um, going seven defense when he's shown that that's, or, that's something that he can easily do as well. They've done a lot down the American Hockey League, which is not easy managing that bench with an extra defenseman trying to get pairings out, trying to make sure everyone's getting substantial ice time. With the forward groups, you're trying to match up and give people a little bit extra there too, having one less forward. So it tells me that they have a real good um, relationship along with Glenn Gullitson, Brian Wiseman. I mean, they're doing an excellent job on that bench of, of managing and of what's going on, and everybody understands what their job is, what their role is. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can't agree with you more. I, I don't see any reason why they're not going to extend Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson, in my opinion. I, I think that um, do you really want to turn over and have the 11th coach in the last 15 years here? Um, I just don't see why you would want to do that. This is the whole purpose. You have a coach like Jay that leaves a real cushiony, and I don't want to say cushiony in the sense that it was an easy job, but he had established himself as an amazing assistant associate coach with Todd McCullen. He branched off from that, decided he wanted to go on his own because he felt in his heart he could be a head coach in the National Hockey League. He goes down, does great things down the American Hockey League with Dave Manson, gets called up, and gets his opportunity. 
Um, just look at the smile on his face after games. This guy's living his dream. I, I think that this is a real great story, and I, I look at it, and I think the players respect that. The players understand what he has done and how hard he's worked to get to where he is. And because of that respect, I think that they're playing hard for him and Dave. And that's all you can ask for. That, that, that's the, the, the number one priority of a coach, in my opinion, is to try and get the best out of each person individually on a team for the betterment of, of the group. And he seems to have come in and been able to push some buttons to get people to um, play the right way, um, find their confidence again. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of expecting an extension, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. It's early right now. I don't think they're concerned with that right now. I don't think Jay is either. I think right now he's so occupied and focused on the next game, which is the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night. And, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in my mind already thinking that's a done deal. All right, Louie. In the 93-94 season, you were reassigned to the minors. And we yep. were talking about this a bit yesterday because Ian Herbers is out in the Atlantic with the Golden Bears, and you broadcast at least one U of A championship with Sportsnet. When they, I did, too. You did they were too. awesome. They, no, they, they were won, awesome. They won back-to-back in 14-15. You should have stayed there because they were winning when you were doing those games. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Uh, maybe you could educate our listeners. Like, Ian told me he was about the ninth toughest guy on the team. Uh, you guys had a little. Oh yeah, like it was ridiculous. It was unbelievable um, how tough of a team we had down in Cape Breton. And you know, we were talking with Jay yesterday just about the Maritimes and how good the people are down there. And uh, I was just so, uh, you know, it didn't surprise me, but it was uh, it was just a real something that just stuck in my mind. I remember going down there the first day after practice, walking to a little E and L pasta down in Cape Breton. We used to go there to eat our pregames and almost ate there every day. It was a cheap Italian place, great pasta. It was homemade pasta. And, you know, as hockey players, we crushed a lot of that. And uh, we weren't making a whole ton of money either, so we tried to find the most economical place to get as much food as we could in our bodies. But uh, walked up to the street and everybody stopped. You know, there was four lanes and they all just, you know, we hadn't even gotten to the street yet. In the middle of the road, there was no crosswalk, no nothing. We just walked up and everybody just stopped. It was like the Red Sea opening up, and I'm looking around going, what's going on here? Why are they – you're so used to the bigger cities and the hustle that, you know, people are so oblivious to the, what's going on around them. But down there, just, just really nice, hardworking people, salt of the earth. And I, you know what I have to say? I enjoyed my time. I didn't like that I was in the minors. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. I don't think any player, when you get sent down to the minors, you're happy about it. You go down there to work hard to try and get back to the National Hockey League, and that's really, um, to me, what makes the AHL and the American Hockey League, and back then also the International Hockey League, what it is. Um, it's a developmental league. You go down there, but your objective and your priority is to try and become as good as you can to get to the next level. That's always what it is. And some guys have amazing careers down in the American Hockey League. Or, um, our lifers down there and carve out an amazing career and a great life. And But for the majority of players, especially young players, their objective is to try and get back up to the National Hockey League. But yeah, I'll tell you what, we had eight or nine guys on that team. I remember the first game coming into a scrum in front of the net and Dennis Bond, the wild thing, was, you know, he was a young guy, and he was trying to make a name for himself. And I come in, and we were getting into a pushing and shoving match in, in front of the, the opposition's goalie, and he comes flying in from the point he was playing defense at that time. And he buds in the way. He wanted to take the fight. Like, that was the thing. We had a lineup of guys that wanted to take the fight. It was incredible. And, yeah, I can tell you, we didn't get pushed around too much. We had a couple of real good battles with St. John's. 
You had Serge Roberge on that team. Yeah, uh, like, he could chuck him. Uh, yeah. John Van Kessel. John, John Van Kessel, tough guy from, you know, I, I fought him a couple times in junior as a rookie. He was a 20-year-old that time, and he was, you know, just that big, lanky, both hands could throw. Mark LaForge was as crazy as he was tough, and I mean that as a compliment. He was one of those guys that, you know, you didn't know what he was going to do. He might stick you in the face, and he had no remorse for it. Uh, it, it was incredible. He, uh, you know, he just, you know, him and Serge Roberge, who was also on that team, as you mentioned, Serge is a legendary tough guy along with his brother Mario. Mario was a better player. Serge probably should have gotten games and more games in the NHL because he, you know, was really tough. He could fight anybody. And you didn't, you didn't have to ask who the tough guy was when Serge was around. I mean, he had that leather face from being cut and it, you know, building back up again. Um, but the longer the fight went with Serge, look out. Dennis Bonby, I mean, listen, nobody has had more fights. In pro hockey, I believe, in the, you know, tier one, AHL, IHL, NHL, than Dennis Bonby. Dennis Bonby is legendary in the American hockey. That was the start of his career. And so to say that he was willing and able and really energetic is an understatement. He used to hit the bench press after games and, throw four plates on there like it was nothing. And this guy was just a machine. So we had him. The list goes on. I mean, Jeff Chicken was down there, I think, at that yes, time, he was. too. Um, you know what? Who was a big guy. You know, I had a strap with him when he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins a couple of times. And, you know, so, so when I got sent down there for a conditioning stint, you know, I looked around and I was like, I dread the teams that we, we were going to play right now. We'd go into St. John's and they had a tough team too. They had Grant Marshall, uh, Ryan Vandenbush was down there. Um, uh, Gillingham was down there. They had a bunch of guys too, but I remember hearing stories afterwards. They looked over and saw Cape Breton and were like, are you kidding me? Um, this is ridiculous. And Link Gates, don't forget Link Gates. I mean, Link Gates was just legendary. He was, yeah. you know, he was as, as tough as they come and, the missing link was there too. Like he's, uh, you know, he was on the downside though, right? He'd already but, been but in the he, car. But accident. even on the downside, he was still extremely tough. Like I mean, he, you know, maybe took too many punches later in his career because of that, because of the accident that he had, and he didn't have that functionality in the left side of his body as much. Um, left or right side. He was on a motorcycle and he went down and, yep. um, you know, he, he lost some movement and, and, uh, he lost and weakness. weakness. And, yep. But I got to tell you, <laughs> tough as they come. He really was. Back when he was with the San Jose Sharks, he had a cannon for a shot, excellent skater, big guy, and just had that nasty disposition on life that for no reason at all, he was going to make your life a rough night, even if you weren't a tough guy. And that's what made him so scary is that yep. he, you know, if he didn't like you for whatever reason, it didn't matter what it was. You better just stay away from them. Period. Louie, final, I'm just going to say the Glenn Sather line, when Link Gates got drafted by Minnesota, he had two black eyes. Yep, and they did it on purpose. You know what, Donnie Martin, old London Knight, I used to hang with him in the summer times. The night before the draft, they said, hey, let's have black eyes. So they punched each other in the nose. <laughs> True story. Awesome. True story. That's Don awesome. Martin was drafted by the Edmonton Oilers. Because Glenn and, Sather's line was, uh, everybody, oh, look at that guy. He's huge. Yeah, and He's got yeah. two black eyes. And uh, Glenn yeah. Sather said, I want to draft the guy that uh, gave him the black you eyes. Know, you know, you have all those guys, you know, and take up a quick time here. You know, you have those guys in junior, and they, they go on to play pro, but they're, they're some of the toughest guys you've ever met that just didn't really go on and play. But Donnie Martin was one of those guys. You know, and I got a story about him. I'll tell you later. It was a street fight that I witnessed him in one day. And I got to tell you, it was like you were watching a movie. 
and they just kept going and going. And then at the end of it, they looked at each other and they just said, okay, nod their heads, turn and walk the other way. But I got to tell you, if you would have had a camera on that, it was it would have been like top five fight in MMA. It was unbelievable. It was crazy. You know our man, crazy. Dan Baker? Pub 1905? Yep. yep. 1991, bar none at uh, the Butterdome U of A in front of about 10,000 people. He had a, he had about a three-and-a-half-minute fight with a guy. <laughs> well, this one, <laughs> I know, here we are talking about street fights, but, yeah, let's, you know, it happens sometimes, but... Yeah, the, I wasn't uh, in it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, so was I. I stood there and watched that, and uh, there, we you know, we kind of just separated and said, "Okay, let's let these guys go and let the and boy did they ever go!" And eventually, we're like, "Do we have to get in here and break these guys up because they're just not stopping?" They had a history. I don't know who the other guy was. Yeah, and I still don't know awesome. to this day, but he was tough too. I'll tell you what, it was. Yeah, awesome. it was one of those ones that sticks with you. Sticks Louis. with you, and you're like, "I'm glad I wasn't that guy in that scrap." Louis, we just blew through two breaks. Thanks for telling stories. <laughs> Right, take care, Mike. It is 12.57. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're at Rogers Place. We'll go to a global news weather traffic update. And when we come back at 106, Kevin Weeks for Canadian Power Pack. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.